Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi. I almost just said hi, Haley. <laughs> You're really killing it this week. I know. Last last episode, I really messed up too. So. All right. Well, I'm just going to change my name. Rewind. Hi, Tara. <laughs> Welcome back to Gilmore to Say with Haley and Haley. I'm Haley. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Haley. Wow. <laughs> no. The Haley Show. I love it. Anyway, welcome back to Gilmore to Say with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. <laughs> oh, she got it right this time. Look at that. Look at me. Today we're celebrating Lorelai Gilmore's 54th birthday. 54. I know. Technically, her birthday was yesterday. So today's the 26th. The only reason that we know that her birthday is April 25th, I've because I tried to figure this out because mm. we know Rory's for sure because Rory's is on a birthday invitation from Emily for her birthday party that she doesn't want to have with all of her Chilton friends. Mm-hmm. And I tried to find out where in the show it's mentioned that Lorelai's birthday is April 25th, but the only thing I've come up with is happy birthday baby the episode of her birthday aired on april 22nd and in that episode it was referenced that her birthday is on friday and in 2003 that friday was april 25th okay so it was then ascertained from that 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 is how we ended up with lorelei gilmore as a taurus on April 25th. 1968. Yep. There's nothing in the show that I've been able to discern that says that that's her birthday other than the air date. It's widely accepted that that's her birthday though. Yeah, so. when I googled it, that's what it said. April 25th, 1968. Mm-hmm. And we're we're going to take this opportunity as a special birthday episode to do something a little different than what we normally do on our actual pod. As many of you know, during the course of the last few weeks, we've been launching our Patreon, which includes recap episodes Gilmore revisited and we decided that today to celebrate Lorelai Gilmore's birthday we would revisit her birthday episode and do a special happy birthday baby recap yeah I'm excited to celebrate all things Lorelai Gilmore so if you came here for Lorelai Gilmore slander I'm sorry this is not the place well maybe a little bit I think there might be just like a touch yeah yeah okay maybe let's get into it we'll see we'll see this is a great episode i don't think about this episode often enough when i think of season three i think of the highlights yeah this is not one of them well but this is actually a really really good episode there are a couple of moments in this that i would consider season three highlights oh for sure get, and i know exactly can... which one you're thinking of and <laughs> I know you, you bet do. your bottom dollar i wrote it down we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there so to kick it off this is one of my favorite teasers in the entire series the opening scene with johnny machete <laughs> did you look up johnny machete i, I wrote down what is johnny machete yeah okay same. listen i found some info so based on my research it sounds like it's a take on johnny marzetti which is a popular casserole dish in ohio that was invented mm. in a restaurant called marzetti's the only thing i know about it is that it has a can of cream of mushroom in it because that's what emily says yes that's not in the this casserole recipe it does not align with anything that includes a cream a can of cream of mushroom soup so um it's definitely a take on it that's what all the things online say because people were curious they're like is johnny machete a real thing and i guess it's 
kind of a real thing. They just renamed it something different. But it looks both terrifying and maybe a little yummy. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those casseroles that you kind of just like heap on your plate and you're like, anything that you eat in a heap, I don't know, that just doesn't sound very appetizing. I love, I loved Emily's support of it though, where she was like, I will eat exactly three bites of this. I love Richard's (laughs) acceptance of it. He was like, okay, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) It also seems very off brand for him. Like, did he make it? Did the maid make it? No, he definitely made it. Oh. Wow. Because okay. I think he says his gran used to make it for him, which is yes. funny that he calls his grand grand and his mom is grand to his daughter and granddaughter. I know. You're totally right. I also, the one of the one of the many reasons that this is my favorite teaser on this show is because, of course, they start out by making the announcement to Emily and Richard that Rory's going to yell. Yeah. I love the reaction journey from Emily yes. and Richard. I wrote that they down They look too. at each other from across the table. They're like, do, do we celebrate? No. I love that, like, the commitment, though, to, like, being indifferent. Yeah. Like, they realized, like, how like how big of a problem it was that they wanted Rory to go to Yale. It's such a bone of contention between Lorelai and them. Do you not feel like that's a little bit out of character for them, though, to, like, take this thing that, like, has been a lot of, like, tension and conflict between all of them and to kind of, like, suppress it for the greater good of the Friday night dinner table? I do, but I wonder if after the blow up at Yale in Let the Games Begin and then subsequently when Rory announces in a deep fried Korean Thanksgiving at the dinner table that she applied to Yale and Lorelai storms out. I wonder if Richard and Emily had a conversation. Yeah. You know, (laughs) pillow talk. That was like... Definitely not in the car. (laughs) Well, no, they don't talk about anything in the car. But if they were just like, okay, if she goes to Yale, if she magically decides... How are we going to react? Yeah. It seems off brand for them as characters, but like, I do wonder if they had that conversation because they sort of look at each other across the table and it seems like there's a very mutual understanding. Well, when we get to the end of this episode, we can talk about like the bookends of this because I really like what we've set up here is that they are like kind of putting aside their preferences to like keep the peace a little bit and how that ends up bookending with this Friday night gender versus the one that's at the end. Yeah. And, but I do think just to like keep it to the confines of this teaser specifically the way yeah. that they like erupt into excitement yeah. <laughs> is so adorable and to that end like I know that as much as I mentioned it's been like a point of contention between Lorelai and her parents she's genuinely excited yeah she's like letting them know guys they I'm really on board have to spell it out for them yeah yeah because understandably for three yeah. seasons two and a half really we've watched Lorelai be like no like vehemently no she's not going to Yale and now she's like genuinely on board the smile that uh Lorelai gives at the end of the teaser to Rory after they run away and Richard's like I'm gonna teach you the fight song is so genuine (laughs) she's really excited she's excited for Rory she's excited to see her parents excited that is one of my favorite Friday night dinner scenes because like oh it's it's heartwarming it's not something we're used to seeing we're used to seeing like either spats or just like constant sort of what we got at the beginning the snarky like what I'm gonna take three bites of this and then I'm gonna throw it away you know we're used to seeing that and not so much like the heartwarming moments and that's why I love that teaser and I love that this is the moment that we get like a um like an intro scene like the theme song intro scene where they're kissing Rory I know I love when we can like identify when those are in the show yeah for the credits oh sure but something that Emily says here which is just always hilarious to me because Richard says I'll get the champagne and Emily says I'll call the Talbots it's like who are they (laughs) 
why do we need to call them right now it's just such like an emily response oh for sure that entire scene for me is just it and then we Mm -hmm. move through the credits we get to the opening scene and i forgot this was the episode after a tale of frozen fire so that independence inn has just caught fire and they're trying to scramble for freshly burnt to a crisp and this is such a townies episode and i think that's why i forgot how much i like it because we see some of my favorite townies here can i point out something that's so weird about this that is so 2003 Uh which is that suki is wearing a skirt over a pair of pants she is yeah she has a pair of pants on and she has a skirt over it. A pair of pants or a pair of leggings? No, they're pants. <laughs> She's wearing pants under a skirt. And the thing is about this is like I clearly remember in 2003 when like pants, like jeans under dresses was like such a thing. And that, do you not remember that? Vaguely. And so like when I saw her like, because at first I was like, oh, she has on like leggings with like a skirt with a dress. Yeah. And I was like, those are pants. <laughs> She's wearing pants under that skirt. <laughs> I love that this show can sometimes really be a time capsule. And those are the moments that I look out for. Yeah. I love it. I also love how casually they're dressed. Like you rarely ever see Michelle not That's in a suit. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> and he's in like cargo pants and a sweater. And I live. He looked nice. He did. Yeah. yeah. He's a good looking man. Yeah, Michelle. But my favorite person in this scene is Tom. Tom the contractor. Tom. I thought you were going to say Tobin. Oh, no. I will get to Tobin. Tom the contractor. We need more of him. He is not featured nearly enough. Yeah. What's funny about him is he's, like, really the only person who, like, Lorelai's Lorelai, like, gives her that, like, unrelenting sarcasm, dry snarkiness that just, like, doesn't doesn't let up best line in the episode when she is having this little meeting with them and he comes up he goes i gotta show you something and she goes is it bad he goes no it's great you're gonna be thrilled really warm up the cartwheels are coming i love him he's just best line in the episode and and he comes out with those one-liners when he's the contractor for the renovation on uh jess and well yes yes but when he's in there's the rub when he's doing jess and luke's apartment and luke keeps yelling at him and he's like we're uh we're expanding your apartment what do you think we're doing he's like my, my people are eating concrete and he's like oh oh man well that's a shame like it's just <laughs> he's he's yeah. so perfect and I, I love that we get we get like a a good chunk of him in this i love that he episode. stays though for forever because i th- th- it's the first time that we see him when the in burns down like no the, the first episode. time that we see him is in hammers and veils in oh he's doing the the build with parrot oh. he's not tom yet though i yeah. think that he was brought on and he's like that's a hammer and asp said you're booked <laughs> yeah but he stays with us until season six until yep. like, they're they're renovating their house which i love i love that he he stuck around speaking of not really townies we only see her once where is mia throughout all of this like you're in burnt down didn't burn down but like you're in caught fire where are you well what's she gonna do i don't know i just thought this was a good opportunity for us to see her again that's true you know what i mean she comes in at a random episode in season two which i love but why wasn't she there again i felt like this was an opportunity to utilize her as a character and you're right what would she have done but you know in the next is it the next episode where her son is there and they're evaluating how many rooms they have left i think that's yeah in one of the subsequent episodes he comes in and is kind of walking around and she makes reference to your mom and i'm assuming that's Mia because she owns the independence in. <laughs> you said she makes reference to your mom and I was like my mom <laughs> yeah Hilly <laughs> Kathy Kathleen I'm if sorry. you will 
he makes reference and says, mom's thinking of selling. So you assume that he's Mia's son. And that to me was also a perfect opportunity to bring her in because then that could at least offer some sort of closure to Lorelai. I felt like when the inn did eventually go under. Mia should have been there. Yep. She should have absolutely been there to deliver that news. It was sort of glazed over. And I know that doesn't happen in this episode, but I know that's what's to come. And it's kind of like talked about, you know, Lorelai goes over to Suki and Jackson's place and she's like, the Independence Inn is no longer in service. Let's have some champagne and apple juice. (laughs) We're broke. And, you know, I wish that there had been a little bit more of a button on Mia's involvement because she comes in so briefly. I'm just still mad about fake Mia. I think that's really where this is coming from. This is residual pain. Yeah. It kind of just proves to me that Mia wasn't like a real character. She was just more of like used as a plot device to Mm. get more on the backstory between Emily and Lorelai and the resentment that Emily had that Lorelai never came you're, back you're home. Right. Yeah. So it's like she's like I wanted more from her but I think it just proves that she was just kind of there. Yeah. Just 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 to guide us to something else. But anyway, the Independence Inn has caught fire and it's a whole big mess and they're kind of scrambling to get things done. There are people moving around everywhere. I love that in this episode and the episode prior, Tales of Poe and Fire, they just keep talking about these other inns that are around and they have the silly the, the silliest names. names. The, the Bunny, Bunny Hop, Hop Inn. What a silly goose name for an inn. Like who the made... silly goose inn? <laughs> yeah, I. Where was that? It's a lot of bunnies. Like the bunny hop in the Cheshire Cat. It, yeah, it's not necessarily bunnies. It's animals. So the silly yeah. goose inn would have fit perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Right in the center of all of that. I don't think anyone would recognize that we made that up if we just said the silly goose inn. <laughs> You're totally right. We should have just rolled with it. And so at this point. Tobin comes in and this is the first time we ever see Tobin we hear of Tobin in the episode prior when he's calling her to tell her that the inn is on fire but we don't actually see a person we just know he's on the other end and Tobin comes in who annoys the ever-loving fuck out of me that man (laughs) like he's so extra I think the thing is is like that look that him and Michelle share oh when he's eating the bagel yeah at first you like kind of seem like oh Tobin like is just like really trying to be there for Lorelai but then like you maybe think that like Michelle Michelle is the one that like really sees him for who he is because they share that like really like evil face off moment yeah Yeah. he's an asshole he's a little shit also he's been the night manager for five years and we've never laid an eye on this man they're never I mean I guess maybe he would have been at the Bracebridge dinner that's what I'm saying Hmm. I get it I get it it didn't fit the plot at the time That's true. But that's fair. I told you that like there's very specific ways that Gilmore Girls influenced my childhood in very odd manners. Mm-hmm. Um, and this scene is one of them. Is Ooh, because okay. It's so strange. Tobin brings bagels and he's like stops the meeting that they're having and he's like, Michelle, you should eat a bagel. They're really good. And he's like, I'm not going to eat a bagel because bagels are like glue in your intestines that make sure that everything remains there until you die. So like I saw that and I like was like, oh, like I was just young enough that like I didn't really grasp the concept of like that couldn't possibly be true so I like didn't I didn't ever eat bagels and it wasn't until like I mean eventually I learned that that was absolutely not the case but I probably no Michelle won't eat more than 12 blueberries of course that wasn't the case but I was very impressionable and I actually didn't eat a full bagel until I was like probably 24 years old like and had lived in New York for a year wow that one single line made me not eat bagels for probably like 10 years wow I'm so sorry that you (laughs) like that that's sad I told everyone I didn't like bagels like whenever we would like have like a sleepover or something like that I'm like oh I don't I don't eat bagels I don't like them and it was truly just because Michelle said they would stick in your intestines like glue until you die wow 
You should sue. Yeah. You're right. All right. Let's get on that. That's a lot of paperwork, but... Emotional bagel damages. Yeah. I do, however, even though, like, Tobin annoys the shit out of me, I love the feud between him and Michelle. Oh, yeah. Remember in later in season four in The Nanny and the Professor when Suki's had her baby and we... That's the only other time we ever see Tobin. He comes in and he's Davy's babysitter and Michelle is like, what is he doing here? And Michelle tries to, like, sort of push him out by volunteering to babysit for Davy. He does like the same Lorelei thing. in a panic yeah. <laughs> because he's rolled Davy under the bed and my favorite part about that is that he calls him Truman and he's like the baby's <laughs> name is Davy I've been calling him Truman <laughs> like he tries so yeah. hard to be something he's not whenever Tobin is around which I love secretly or not secretly very publicly because this is a podcast I love because it like shows how much Michelle values being valuable to Lorelai and to Suki yeah. But namely Lorelai. But namely right. Lorelai, because this is this whole scene and even in that one, I guess we expand it to Suki, which is like he is like on this like present competition for Lorelai's birthday mm-hmm. to like give her the better present. Even though he's never gotten her a present before ever. Yeah. And it's just kind of scary <laughs> like seeing Michelle be like that. But I just I love that aspect of him as like as like one note as he can be and like pretty like grumpy he's so sarcastic he's her angry friend he's her angry friend and to see like internal struggle of like he really does value his relationship and he's very loyal to her which we come to see in the revival he's very sensitive yes yeah he's a sensitive little bean i love it (laughs) um so then we go to their house because now we know that it's about to be lorelei's birthday tobin sort of introduces us to that because he gives her the cappuccino candle yes which i think would probably smell really bad judging from the look of it I don't know. I know. (laughs) You're right. But we cut to the house. They're starting to make this list of things to do. And uh, here's what I wrote down. The art of handiwork as gift giving is peak friendship. May we all be so lucky. I literally said, what a sweet friend. Can we like (laughs) stop giving each other gifts? The cappuccino candle versus handiwork around the house. Like five hours. Acts of service. I'm an act of service. service, That's my love language. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I love that about you. Thank you. You're welcome. It sometimes makes you feel hard to love because it makes you feel like your love is an act that someone has to do, you know, versus words of affirmation. Like, I can give you words all day long, but, like, Mm -hmm. in order to, like, fulfill my love language, you have to, like, basically do something for me. You know what I mean? No, I love it. Do you ever notice that it is a rarity in the Gilmore house that when the phone rings and they pick it up that it's ever for the other person? Like Rory picks up this phone call and it's Paris talking to her about like all the things she accomplished. Mm, But normally when they pick up the phone, it's never like, yeah, hold on, I'll get her. Here you go. That's true. I love that they cut out the middleman writing wise, but I've always clocked that. I have a couple of other things in this that are kind of like, oh, what a coincidence on this TV show that was written. Sometimes we talk about it like from a writing perspective and sometimes we talk about it like they're real people. Yeah. We never really stick to one, but like as real people, I'm like, huh, that's really convenient for you guys. But like from a writing perspective, I'm like, yeah, straight to the point. Exactly. That's what I was thinking about as I wrote this down because I was like, well, I guess they don't do that, but that why would they? Yeah. That's such a waste of story. Like, hello oh no let me get her here you go yeah no cut it and this is also the conversation where we get my line that sat with me because paris is talking about her mom 
and uh-huh. about how she got a facelift and if she doesn't sleep on her back her face is going to flatten like a crepe so when I got Botox <laughs> injected into my forehead for the very first time a couple of years ago I truly like I must have slept like a mummy because I genuinely was like my face is going to flatten like a crepe just like Paris Geller said that line sat with me for forever I was like I can never do anything to my face it's going to flatten like a crepe yeah. that was my oh bagel my crepes and bagels it's just something that like it's the small parts of the show that sits with me like yeah. there's like there's like big things that have affected my personality like the reading thing which we have discovered that like that's really what I took away from this but it's just it's the tiny little things like that mm-hmm. sleep on your back but don't eat the bagels um this is a funny scene because um because this is when she says that that's the clip that I sent you from Brazil mm-hmm. because when Rory says oh my god it's Brazil yeah and read the facelift I wanted you to see what the reference was to I've like, seen it in- before it creeps me out it's scary. I can't really watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it. So if you um if you've never seen the just Google Brazil movie plastic surgery scene, <sighs> um, and you'll see what Rory is referencing, and it's it's awful. And that's that's all I see for Paris's mom now. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's Paris's mom. It's Professor Slughorn giving um her a face. Uh, I forget. Oh my gosh, this is something else I can reveal about you. Tara has never seen Harry Potter, nor have I ever read a book. And listen, yeah. before any of you come for me, come for my mother, <laughs> because I love her to my core. She's listening. Hi, mom. Um, and my mom would not let me read the Harry Potter books or watch the Harry Potter movies and let me tell you a really great story about this so I am the oldest I am big sister to my younger brother Sean who's about three years and change younger than me and a huge reason was because I grew up we we went to church a lot my family and um my mom would tell me that because Harry Potter involved witchcraft I could not read the books because it was against our religion and Harry Potter involved witchcraft yeah and wizardry though very true was that i have no idea is just witchcraft or wizardry as well i want to say that witchcraft was the only reason but who's to say yeah so it would have been fine if it was just wizardry (laughs) so anyway she tells me that i can't read these books i can't watch these movies it was a big deal cut to like three plus years later when my brother is now old enough to read the books and wants to read them because they're still a hot ticket and we're literally sitting in church and at the end of the row he's not even listening to the service he is reading harry potter in (laughs) church and i was like oh my god what did he light on fire right then (laughs) no he didn't and i love my mom so so much she's one of my favorite people in the world but uh that is something i love to make fun of her for all the time all the live such an older sister thing though like to not it's an older sibling thing because you're like the trial kid right they're like my older sister would say the same everything out on you and then by the time they got to my brother they were like eh whatever (laughs) yeah (laughs) you and my older sister should talk you guys would have a lot oh, to we say would commiserate. about the, the older sister chip especially your if you're a girl when you're a girl it's like yeah. i mean they they treat you with such delicacy and the boys they're like ah well that's fine they're fine they're they're a boy they'll bounce back yeah exactly but no i have no idea what you're talking about all of that is to say all that to say every time i make a harry potter reference tara just thinks i came up with it off the top of my head and i made it up because i constantly make harry potter references and you never notice same Aww. with taylor swift references though sometimes it's kind of funny though because i'm like uh she just thinks I'm talking. <laughs> and there I am with my dopey ass smile like, oh, Haley came up with that. That's cute. <laughs> I have a I question for you. Were you ever a birthday week person? Yeah. You were. Me too. 
I used to be, and then I became a cry-on-your-birthday person. Speaking of Harry Potter, though, when I was um, 13, I remember specifically I was reading Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is the third one, and three was born on the third is my lucky number. I wear it on a necklace, and I was laying in bed reading the first chapter, and in the first chapter, it turns 1 a.m., and Harry realizes he's been 13 for a full hour, and he didn't realize it, and I remember when I looked over, it said it was 1 o'clock in the book. I looked over to the clock and it was one o'clock on my clock and I had been and I had been 13 for a full hour so witchcraft wizardry maybe (laughs) maybe now I read the third Harry Potter book on my birthday every year just because oh that's so special wow that aligned really nicely for you it's a third book on the third three's your lucky number he turned 13 wow yeah oh that's really cool it was a big moment for me but I used to like I I used to be a really big birthday week person I was too but as I got older and started like crying on my birthday I'm just more of like a one and done sort of gal (laughs) I am also a one and done kind of gal I don't know that I necessarily consistently cry but um I don't cry you're not a birthday crier I am not a birthday oh my god it's not my birthday unless I've cried really yeah about what Tara, what, what's not to cry about on your birthday? <laughs> I guess. I feel like there's two different people here. This is this is something that we don't align on. Because I feel like a lot of people cry on their birthday. Like cry because you're overwhelmed with love? It's. I don't think that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the other one. <laughs> the way, oh, the way that you just looked at me like, how do I tell her? It's like telling her there's no Santa Claus. No. I know. <laughs> No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had some birthdays where I have cried, where it has not yeah. been fun. I feel like we need to take a poll. We're going to put a poll on our Instagram story. If you cry on your birthday, please go and answer. And if you do not, please also let us know. I yeah. want to know how many people, like if this is really a true division or if... And if it's consistent. Or I'm just like a sad, <laughs> I'm a sad ager. <laughs> I will say that, uh, crying aside, I have become like a solo birthday person. One time I just got really overwhelmed with like, okay, I'm doing this and this and this. And, and I have so many great people in my life who like, if they can't make my birthday celebration, which I usually have they will uh, be like, I'd love to take you out for lunch. And then it just turns into, and it's such a kind offer, but then it turns into a production. And then yeah. your birthday is just drawn out. And by the end of it, I'm exhausted. So now like exclusively, it's my birthday or bust. If you can't come, no hard feelings. But like, if you can't celebrate me on my birthday, I'm not celebrating my birthday outside of the confines of December 9th. That is it for me. Yeah. Which Tara and I, we have very close birthdays. Mm-hmm. I'm December 3rd and she's December 9th. So we say that our our birthday is December 6th. It is. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> but I used to, I was curious about that when it came to you because we are very similar and that aligns very well that we used to be birthday week people yeah. and now we're not. I think, I think also as you get older, you're kind of like not over it, but you know, you outgrow that need to constantly celebrate every day leading up to or after yeah. your birthday. It also depends on where your birthday falls in the week. Lorelai's fell on a Friday. So when they were talking about like birthday week, I was like, oh, well you could do like a weekend that I would understand well this this also ties back to my idea that parents stop emotionally aging at the age that their first child is born and so for Lorelai that was 16 so technically when I was 16 I wanted a birthday week so it makes complete sense that she would you're totally right. instill in her daughter that you get a birthday week and that she makes such a big deal out of her birthday and have you noticed that at least in the birthday episodes that we've seen their birthday always falls on a Friday 
Rory's birthday was on Friday. That's Laura true. Lorelai's birthday was on a Friday. How convenient. Is Rory's 21st birthday on a Friday? I know they celebrated Ooh, at Gilmore's house, but I was curious if you knew about that. I don't know for sure. But these two birthdays both fall on a Friday night. Yeah. It's because we have to put in the conflict of the Friday night dinner. Otherwise, it'd be too easy. Well, of course. Of course. Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because members earn cash back on everything that they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category, including beauty, clothing, electronics, home, department stores, pets, and more. And as you all know, I love shopping through the Rakuten app. Every time I shop online, I always start there to see what the cashback deals are. It's incredibly user-friendly, membership is free, and it's easy to sign up. The best part is you can maximize your savings by stacking cashback on top of other deals because the app lets you know what the store sales and coupons are at your favorite places to shop. Speaking of favorite places to shop, I love shopping Anthropology's post-holiday sale where they put their clearance on clearance. This year, not only did I get savings on top of savings, but I also got cash back by shopping their sale through Rakuten. Cashback rates are changing daily, so make sure that you check their site or your app to snag the best deals. Start all of your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app like me to start your saving today. Your cashback really adds up. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tacovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you, but I also know <laughs> you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tacovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tacovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you outfitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tacovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tacovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tacovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When 
whenever Sephora is mentioned in the show, which during Rory's birthday, birthday week explanation, yeah. they're going to Sephora. On Wednesday. I always associate Sephora with the fact that Amy Sherman Palladino wants to be buried at Sephora. I was like, why do I know that? Because I tried Googling it. And then I suddenly remembered it was in the Gilmoreisms booklet in season two. Because at first I looked at season three, but Sephora was in the Gilmoreisms booklet in season two. And in the, not in the full box set one, like if you get all of the seasons and get all of the Gilmoreisms in one book, it's in the individual DVD set Gilmoreism booklets. Some of the Gilmoreisms have little notes from Amy and Dan on them. Oh. And on the one for Sephora, there's a little note from Amy that says, and I want to be buried here. And I never knew how I knew that because like, I mean, I've read so many articles and watched so many interviews of her talking about the show. Right. I like tried Googling that. I was like, why is that not coming up? Did I make that up? Why would I make that up? And then I remembered it was from the Gilmoreisms booklet in season two. Love that. That's awesome. So I used to say that I wanted to be buried at Sephora, and now I remember why. I've never had an original thought. (laughs) Amy Sherman Palladino has thought all of my thoughts for me. (laughs) Anyways, this is when Karen calls. And this conversation with Karen and Lorelai is really interesting because as we know, at the end of season two in Help Wanted, Lorelai is Richard's secretary in the interim of him like... Oh, I love that episode. I do too. It's really, it's a really special episode between Richard and Lorelai. But Lorelai's there when he's like launching his own business and she comes on sort of as his interim secretary and then she's the one that ends up recommending Karen because she meets her in their interview. And then they have this conversation as if they've never met met yeah well i one of the things that i love about karen's demeanor here is like this is the last thing she wants to be doing is talking to lorelei gilmore because she says uh richard gilmore is calling for you and she's like who she says your father like she's so confused and she just like she's like i don't want to put up with this bullshit like (laughs) but i also love that richard has Karen call him while she's standing right next to him not from her desk not from like outside of the room you literally were like I wrote that down yeah as someone who has been an executive assistant before I could not figure out why she was standing next to his desk when she made the call I mean I've done that sometimes when I've like been in his office and would like dial the phone and do it for him but like if I'm calling to like make an appointment like that I wouldn't be standing right next to him it was it was for the comedy of it all but yeah it's for the plot. Gotta do it for the plot. I also love that when Lorelai and Richard are on the phone and she refers to Karen as Mrs. Wiggins. That's yeah. a Carol Burnett show reference because she plays this character named Mrs. Wiggins, but Tim Conway plays this character named Mr. Tudball, who's her boss. And he always puts a huh before the W. So he calls her Mrs. Wiggins. And I <laughs> love that Lorelai did that. She was like, well, just... Just put Mrs. Wiggins on the phone. I love that. <laughs> I Hilarious. didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And then we end up at Weston's. Mm-hmm. I love West. Anytime we're in Weston's, I just feel like I want to be at Weston's with the cakes on the counter. I bet it smells like frosting in there. Like, oh, I want to go there. That's like the one place I think I want to go in Stars Hollow. And I think this might be one of the last times we see Fran. Is it? I don't oh, know no. for sure, but I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, this is sort of close to the end of season three and that's when she passes away. So I wonder if this was one of the last times we saw her. Oh, we'll have to, we'll have to figure that out when we do in our, when we actually do our rewatch. Yeah. yeah. But something that I love about Fran is how like confused she is constantly by, like, like skeptical but like so kind and so nice that when Fran rather is reading back to worry the cake that she ordered which is a four foot chocolate cake with individual cupcakes spelling out happy 16th birthday Lorelai on top with buttercream and whipped cream frosting and Fran's like that's a lot of frosting she's like that's her favorite part 
I know. And she's like, all right, I'll do it. Yeah. But it's also funny to me because she's known Rory since she was a baby. So she's known these girls for so long. It's like, Fran, why are you still confused? Yeah. They're pretty consistent know. about this. But not to jump the gun, we all know that Jackson then sort of later in the episode kind of like verbally yeah. attacks Rory for not including Suki in the plans. I did find it really, really strange that Suki wasn't the one making this cake. Or that like Rory, who's a teenager, is planning this huge party, didn't consult an adult that she knew who specializes in food and yeah, parties. Yeah, Suki's not a part of this at all. We see her at the beginning of the episode with Tobin and Michelle and that whole thing. Yeah. We don't see Suki participate in any of this, which I get was like sort of inserted into the plot in this way of like, you didn't even ask Suki and now she's yeah. upset and blah, blah, blah. But it really did not make any sense that she it wasn't included. Sense. It did give us an opportunity, if this is the last time that we see Fran before she passes, yeah. for us to sort of get a glimpse into this, like the town coming together to build Lorelai this beautiful birthday party because yeah. obviously Jackson's like the pizza and the vegetables but that's how we get Pete and Joe and Kirk with his fucking oh, burns I you fucking know? love Pete that I know. was like one of my favorite parts of this episode is the Pete and Rory dynamic mm-hmm. I was like I want more of that when, when I'm getting ahead of myself but when he calls her Rorino <laughs> oh my god I was like I want more of that I, I just loved that so much we're back at Weston's. Rory's just ordered this cake, which, like, I kind of now want a four-foot-long cake with individual cupcakes on top that spell out happy birthday, Haley. I'm just saying. I'm just putting that out into the ether for December 3rd. I turned 30 this year. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to make me a four-foot-long cake, dairy-free, please. I have a dairy allergy. Um, So, just putting that out there. I would really like that. It's going in the vault. My mom listens to this, so. <clears throat> ah. We both sent messages to our moms today in this podcast. Yeah. Also, Mandy. Mandy's really the go-getter here so she'll probably mandy make a note but so want the cake but then lane runs in and of course lane's doing the music i love that she's getting a song from every year that lorelei was born oh so special um and then they walk out and for our team jess girlies out there our team jess girlies in the house this one i think that this is the scene that team jess hinges on this is the core of team jess this 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 is the this is the moment <laughs> Can I read to you word for word what I wrote down? Please, I would love it. This is one of the best Jess-Rory relationship moments and one that I know Haley thinks is second to the why did you drop out of Yale moment to justify why Team Jess exists. I Okay, I will I will say no sparkly heart with a little re- Uno reverse. I think that this is the moment. You do? I think this is really the Team Jess moment. I think that if you are like Team Jess in the sense of like you like like just as the boyfriend that you like the best this is the moment yes if you if the boyfriend that you like best but if you like jess is like a if you're team jess because you like jess the best and like you like, like his growth yeah it's and less so about being with rory it's that one but this this is i think this is the team jess moment really mm-hmm. do you yahoo do but like even before that i just love the idea first of all something that i wrote down was that we are just Mariano in this moment. We could totally hang with him because when he says he's addicted to watching Almost Famous, I was like, he's got an obsessive personality. <laughs> he rewatches all of these same movies over and over again. And this is also when we kind of get a glimpse into what their dating life actually is because we've spoken to this before on the pod that we don't get to see a lot of them as a couple. It's built up, built up, built up. And then once they actually date, we don't get a glimpse into it the same way we did with Dean and Rory and that we come to get with Logan and Rory. Yeah. Lane really distills this for us. You're like a really 
really old agoraphobic couple. (laughs) For sure. But I love that there's like this expectation set that they spend pretty much every night together watching a movie and ordering a variety of food. Yeah, that like one of them gets to decide half of it and the other gets to decide the other side of it. May we all be so lucky. But my favorite part of this whole scene, even more so than you looked it up, is I think this is maybe my favorite line that Jess Mariano, Milo Ventimiglia delivers in the whole series for some reason is when Lane says, you're like a really old agoraphobic couple. You're like a really cute old agoraphobic couple. And Jess says, thank you very much. <laughs> With this like little smile that's like, he's almost like proud, but also like kind of embarrassed that Lane is overhearing this. Yeah. But like also trying to be really kind to Rory's best friend. And it's like this little exchange of like, he's kind of got this like little shyness about him. And he says, thank you very much. And he's I just- so cute. Something about that I like so I giggled so hard when I watched that. <laughs> uh, I love him in this episode. Yeah. Well, I love him in the scenes with Rory. I know that there's a lot more story with him as the episode unfolds. But this whole this whole interaction when they're walking down the street and he just keeps telling her all of these things and her only response is, You looked it up. You looked it up and just like changing the way that she says it every time. Yeah. And then the hug and then oh, it's so nice. Does yours have like a burn in the camera on this scene? Have you ever noticed that? I noticed a couple little blips in the camera, but I didn't notice a burn necessarily. I didn't, I wasn't looking too hard though. It's like a little blip. I've, I don't, I'd have to look on the box set, but it's definitely in the Netflix version. So that leads us to our next scene, which is in the diner. Jess is working there. So I'm assuming it's the next day, but it is the next day because he's wearing a different outfit. It has to be the next day because what time is it? Because Jess go is school. going, he's yeah. going to school, but he's at work, but Taylor and Nicole are having this meeting and it's just like one of those things of like, what? What time does his school start? Time is so interesting on this show. Yeah. I think we are always questioning like what time Rory and Lorelai get up? What time do they go to sleep? What time do they go to Luke's? What time what does time she does get Chilton on the bus? Start? Yeah. What time does Stars Hollow High start? Yeah. It's just one of those things of like, again, like do it for the plot. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> yeah. It's a little convoluted, but all I wrote down for the scene was Ugh, Luke and Nicole. I just don't like their relationship. It never makes any sense to me. Tell me this. Does Nicole have blonde hair in season four? Yes. When she okay. comes back in yeah. after they've gotten divorced and everything happens on the cruise ship, she is blonde hair she comes back as a blonde oh, she got divorced and then dyed her hair that makes sense well they didn't get divorced they were getting divorced i i stand corrected they were like in the process of getting divorced yeah. and so they decide to start dating and i will say i clocked that in this episode because i actually like her better with the blonde hair i love a redhead i was gonna say that too i dig her more with the blonde hair she choice. had a little bit of like a reba thing going on with the red hair i liked yeah, the blonde for sure nothing against reba but that's just reba's look for sure Nicole can't we do save it save it for reba and reba only my note here was eddie k why luke is with her why do, what do they even talk about yeah what do they talk about but what was so funny is then the next part was she was like Luke can you sit down we need to talk and he says oh we're gonna have the conversation which it seemed like the way that Luke was phrasing this it was more of like are we gonna have the conversation which is just in general a conversation Mm -hmm. that like involves him sitting down and talking about something which it was just funny that I literally wrote down what do they even talk about and then she's like Luke we need to talk (laughs) that's hilarious I have a question for you do you think that he knew that they were gonna sit down and have a conversation about him meeting her parents I think it just meant more so like we gonna have the conversation of like we're having a talk now like rather than like we are having the conversation that we've had previously about me meeting your parents because she very much presented it like new information it wasn't sure and that's why I was confused I was like I've always been confused by that interaction when he sits down because I'm like do you know her parents are coming into town what is this? Like, uh, it's very weird. And again, I don't pay much attention to their relationship because I don't really 
understand it nor like it or ship it. Um, so I've always no. glossed over it. But to really study it in this episode, I was like, what was that exchange? It just feels weird. Yeah. The best part of this scene, though, is, okay, so like we know I'm not really like Jess and Rory girly. I am a Jess and Luke girly, though. I love when Jess is in the background snipping at him, mm-hmm. like making little quips. Like that's what I could have watched for seven seasons is sure. like short between the two of them just working days at the diner yeah totally could have been a spinoff that should have been the Jess Mariana spinoff yeah I feel like if this show had been like maybe done like five or six years later I feel like there probably would have been some sort of like digital series like they did with the office with that's the exactly what I was thinking the accountants yeah. yep and they would have had like either some sort of like townie special or it would have been like Jess and Luke at, at Luke's yeah Oh, would have been so good. Yeah, because yeah. he's in the background. He's like, come on, man, just meet her parents already. I love when he chimes in with stuff like that. I love that. This is when we learn the conflict that's going on between Jess and Luke here, which is that Jess is not going to school. Mm-hmm. And here is when I'm like, Jess is actually being stupid. Simply for the fact that school is right across the street from Luke's diner. Mm. And what is Luke's diner's walls made out of? Windows. <laughs> Like, he literally walks across the street, glances to the side, like, veers sharp left to his car and doesn't yeah. walk into school. And he doesn't think to maybe go like, hey, maybe Luke was looking through the wall, which is see-through, transparent, of his diner. Yeah. Dumb move. Dumb. It, it was for the plot, but again. Sure. <laughs> we always do it for the plot, but... For the plot. I always thought he was, like, thought he was too slick there. I was like, do you think nobody's watching you? Nobody saw you? Didn't you learn very early on that the whole town has its eye on you? Like, not to mention there's window. Like, he's on the, he's on the other side of a window. For sure. There's this really funny episode in Wizards of Waverly Place. I don't know if you ever watched that, where Alex goes to... She has, like, an internship or something with a designer, mm-hmm. and she knocks on, like, a glass door and her boss goes who is it and she's like Alex and she goes oh come in like as he's staring at her <laughs> that's one of my favorite bits of that show but yeah we're like why why is just be like this yeah and and it just it, it disappoints me because it's like dude because I was right yeah and it's like you had one thing to do to stay here one thing and yeah. like just do it why do you need to work at Walmart like what do you need money for is that where he's going I'm just kidding. <laughs> Haley. The spoiler. people at home know that this is a spoiler-full podcast. And spoiler alert. Be. Yeah, he's going to Walmart. I love that he works at Walmart. That's just it's such a... Because it's so not Jess. Mm. Buying into, like, the, the capitalism of it all. For sure. But then we get the next scene, which is... This is when Pete is talking to Rory. Because they're, they're at school. This is when oh Paris walks God. in, right? Yes. And this is when we find out that Madeline's going to Mills. Like, Madeline and Louise are having a conversation at yeah. the beginning of the scene where they're talking about which colleges they're going to. And that's when you find out where they're going to school. And, and the then... other one is going to... <laughs> Sorry, in the last episode we realized that I don't know. Yeah, that you don't know the difference between Madeline and Louise. I was literally staring at them and I'm like, you could be Louise. But you could also be Madeline. But I think that you're Madeline. But you, it's possible that you're Louise. <laughs> but one of them is going to Mills and one of them is going to Brandeis. Mm-hmm. And then in that, that ends up coming back later in season four. Remember when they show up to Yale at like yeah. that party that Paris is trying to reinvent herself at? In and The Hobbit. The Hobbit. The, the Hobbit, the sofa cou- and digger style. Yeah. <laughs> the Hobbit, the, the couch, and Jason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that what I said? No, but you started, <laughs> you 
started to say the couch, and that just took me down. <laughs> yeah, they do come back. It's the Hobbit, the sofa, and Digger Styles. And Which we have to can only refer to now as the Hobbit, the couch, and Jason. And Jason. Yeah, short to the point. But Rory makes a comment about, like, how's Mills? And Madeline goes, where? She's like, Mills, where? And she's like, no more Mills? She goes, Mills went bye-bye. So <laughs> I never clocked that, that they have this conversation at the beginning of this scene where we find out where Louise and Madeline are going to school because we know where Rory's going. We don't know yet where Paris is going and we don't find out until season four. But you know, you just told me via that exchange, which one was which. And I don't remember. I understand. I don't ever expect you to know who the two of these people are, ever, ever. Can I? Why can I literally know every single word to the You Jump, I Jump Jack episode, but I cannot remember which it's if it's the blonde or the brunette, which is which. It's just in one ear and out the other. I, I truly can't. I can't. But I have remember. to say, I love this storyline with Paris and her nose. Oh my God. So funny. Mm. Because what's so funny about this scene is Rory is like, go do something wild. And I'm like, Rory, this is this is half your fault that you didn't specify. If someone was like, go do something wild, I probably would have been like, I'm going to go get my ears pierced. I'm going to go get my nose pierced. I'm going to go do something. I'm going to go cut my hair off. Like, I'm not going to go buy ice cream. That's not wild, Rory. You should have been way more specific about what you were expecting your friend Paris Geller, who you know who she is, to go do something truly wild. Well, and also because, like, a regular Friday night for Rory is going to eat a ton of ice cream. Like, why did she point that out as something wild? Yeah, this was this was half Rory's fault. <laughs> but this is where we get Pete saying, Rorino, we have a problem. And I just, I just love that he, for some reason. I was like, I just want more of Pete and Rory. Because uh, do we ever see Pete again? Because we see Joe, who works, I think, as the delivery man. We see Joe quite a bit. And actually, I think the first time that we see him he's not joe yet he's like a patron at the diner he's sitting at the counter and then he ends up becoming the like pizza delivery guy and yeah we see him quite a few times and he has that exchange with kirk with the walkie talkies when they're like yeah doing some sort of either event or maybe it's when they're trying to look for the eggs the eggs when kirk's like roger But this is a, such a townies moment because I just like, I love, I want more pee. And I love the authority that Rory takes here. She feels very comfortable to be like, no, we asked for this. This is what we are getting because it's special to her. And then speaking of special, we get to the next scene and she wrote happy birthday Lorelai out in Malamar's. Mm-hmm. And my first thought, why didn't she write happy birthday mom? mom I thought the same thing. I was like, that's... Huh. Well, it sounds like happy birthday Lorelai seems to be like a trend throughout this. That's what she asks for Fran to put on the top of the cake. That's what the sign says at the end of the episode. So maybe she just wanted to keep in with the theme. But you're right. It should have just said happy birthday mom. She doesn't call her Lorelai. As no. we've as we've stated, they never call each other Lorelai. Yeah. And so I feel like it makes sense like with the cake and with the banner because it's like a party, you know, but whatever for the plot. I did love it though. I I also love the exchange that she and Luke have about her taking the box of Malamars out of the cabinet, putting a Malamar back after eating it from there. She's like, these are my birthday Malamars. He's like, yeah, but why did you, what? You know what this conversation reminded me of? Me and you. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, we've definitely had a conversation like this. It's like, why is this happening like this? I was like, this is, Tara and I have had a similar conversation about this, about something. Am I Luke or Lorelai? We, we exchanged. We're both Luke and Lorelai. Right. Yeah, really noted. <laughs> but this is when Luke tells Lorelai about Nicole going to yes have lunch with her parents, and she says, "I think it's great." Well, I was going <laughs> to say the energy between the two of them. It keeps in with the energy that is exchanged between them every time one of them goes on a date or talks about their significant other. Yeah. Oof. Akko. But she's like trying, but she says, I think that's great. And Luke says, I think so too. And it's kind of just like, mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if he wants to, like, clear the awkward air or whatever, but that's when he decides to tell her that she was right and that Jess is skipping school. And she didn't want to be right there. I know. But she was. So. And it's interesting because Luke sort of gets himself amped up and he's like, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And we'll talk about it when we get there. But like, he doesn't really end up doing a lot of those things at the start. No, he, he doesn't. He hypes it Which up a lot. Which is so Luke. I know. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of talk. So I know we already talked about the scene where uh, Jackson kind of like. Yeah. Like I love the physical Rory bit of this. Yeah. Where, where she's, she's got like, the little, the hand truck and she's like yeah. moving around. Yeah. But on the whole, I really do think that the reason that they chose to do this, the writers, was because they wanted to feature more of the town coming together rather than just Suki mm-hmm. doing everything as she normally does. Yeah. But I did find it odd. To just so ha- show how, like, Lorelai really is beloved by this town. Yeah. And, like, say what you will. I feel like we can discuss this. This is one of those moments where we really realize how beloved Lorelai is in the town that like Patty's picking up the cake Pete and Kirk and Joe are all trying to make the world's largest pizza Lane's in on it Jackson and Suki for some reason aren't but like the town for the most part is really coming together on this this next scene when Lorelai and Richard meet in the coffee shop I love that when Lorelai is waiting for someone and they ask how long she's been there she always responds with how much she's consumed yeah (laughs) like remember in the ins and outs of ins when Suki is late to their meeting because they're going to talk to Fran about possibly um taking over the dragonfly yeah (laughs) and Suki comes in and she's like how late am I and Lorelai goes two pieces of carrot cake and a rum ball and with this when her dad walks in she tells him like pretty much the same thing like two cups of coffee and and a slice of pie no two slices but then she knows the waitress or we can discern that she's been there long enough to have learned the waitress's name it's the waitress says another cup of coffee Lorelai and she says think I think she says Sarah Mm. it's not in the subtitles so I couldn't hear what she was saying Mm. but either she's been there long enough to become friends with the waitress or this is a regular place that Lorelai goes to yeah but I just I love that Lorelai has absolutely no idea why she's there and yet she's just sort of like okay I'm here what is it what was so secretive that we had to like come here and talk about this and he tells her (laughs) when she does finally get the check she is screaming that she has a check in her hand for $75,000 like she's literally begging someone to mug her shut up girly lower your voice put the check in your bag but like nobody seems to care Richard's like yes you do have $75,000 like, I wouldn't steal it from her, but my interest would be piqued. Oh, I would sure. turn and be like, oh, wow. I'm going to listen to this conversation now. Absolutely. What's really funny here is the first thing that she decides to do is, like, off the top of her head, calculate how many Jimmy Choo's she should buy with the $75,000, which is 150 apparently. And this is one of the reasons that it doesn't make sense why Rory doesn't know what a Birkin bag is. Yeah, that's fair. It's like, it's like in this moment, I'm like, you're telling me that when you saw an orange Hermes box... That you weren't like, oh, I know what Hermes is. Like, they're very, like, in tune to fashion and things like that. So it's like, if you have a mom who can, like, off the top of her head calculate exactly how many Jimmy Choo's she can buy for $75,000 without thinking about it, you would know what a Birkin bag is. For sure. You're not wrong. I'll die on this hill. What's funny about the shoes from Richard, though, here is that he kind of, like, completely accepts that this is an acceptable thing to do with that money, besides the fact that he wants her to shop around first, that she could buy, like, three or four hundred pairs of, like, less expensive but equally stylish shoes, Mm -hmm. and he makes her promise to shop around first, and it's just like, he's like, yeah, I guess if you're gonna buy a bunch of shoes with it, you might as well get your money's worth. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And, like, he's probably joking, but I just, I love that he's kind of like, okay, it's your money now. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that this conversation is tough knowing what's to come because like you can tell he's really excited to see how excited she is because this is her money. She yeah. technically deserves it. It's hers. She got it for being born. And he's very excited that she's going to spend it on something fun. Yeah, I think so too. what's interesting is the next scene is her going back to they're back at the house her and Rory Mm -hmm. and they're having a conversation about what they're gonna use the money for it's like oh no more clipping coupons oh we could get this we could get that yeah they're having all these conversations about what she could do with the money yeah and yet we'll get there What's so funny is they're in this moment they have a big bowl of macaroni and cheese like and by big bowl it's like a it's like a giant like popcorn sized bowl that they're eating at the table with these happy birthday crowns that Rory wore on her birthday. Yes, I noticed that too. I love I those. love that. I guess it's like the birthday week thing. They're just one of the events is birthday crowns and giant bowl of mac and cheese. What a way to spend your birthday. <laughs> I live. Oh, in the background of this scene, I noticed there is a picture of Suki and Jackson framed on the end table. Mm -hmm. And it's this is always one of those moments when I like switch from the writing of it to and like the the fact that it's a TV show to like Lorelai getting a picture of Suki and Jackson, putting it in a frame, putting it on the end table or like Suki giving her a frame and her deciding to put it on the end table and like being like, oh, that's so sweet. Like that, like she values her friend so much. She like wants a picture of her friend and her friend's husband in her living room. (laughs) That's hilarious. And this is then what we were talking about before where Rory gets the call and another call and it's for Rory because it's Pete calling her. This is when she actually acknowledges that she's going to get the phone. It's not like she just gets up naturally to get the phone. She's like, I'm going to get it. Yeah. But I love this exchange between the two of them. Like I said before, I love when when she's like concerned about Kirk and like then it cuts to them and Kirk's like, ow. And Pete's like, he's laying there so oddly. (laughs) Yeah. Like with his feet up in the air. Yeah. When she asks if she realized if he ever thought it was not like the pizza that was the problem, it was Kirk. And he says that did not occur to me. (laughs) And she's like, well, maybe it should (laughs) have because he wants to take off the cheese and the sauce. Yeah. He just wants it to be a, a Bread. Bread toppings, which to be fair, that's how I eat my pizza. I had I have sauce, but I don't eat cheese on my pizza. Mm. Similar to dairy. When I was a teenager, another thing that I was afraid that I was going to be single for the rest of my life because I read a book where there was like these two friends talking that like people don't like other people who don't like pizza because everyone likes pizza. Well, it's not that you don't like pizza. It's that you can't eat pizza. It's different. Also, I think that somewhere they have gluten-free, dairy-free, etc. pizza. Yeah, I just really don't like pizza, though. Oh, okay. So I've mistaken. You don't like pizza. I mean, like, I eat it. Haley, (laughs) you love Gilmore Girls, and you don't love pizza? I mean, I'll eat it. Like, if we're going someplace and the option is pizza, I will get, like, cheeseless pizza. Oh, but pizza, like, it's not like I'll eat it if it's there. Pizza is sacred. No. It's one of our four major food groups. But, like, it's, like, such a hassle because, like, if we're going out with people, we have to make sure that, like, half of it doesn't have cheese or that someone's willing to split a cheeseless pizza with me and it just becomes such, like, a hassle thing or, like, if there's no cheeseless pizza, I have to peel the cheese off and then just eat saucy bread. But even then, it still has, like, cheese left over on it, so it still makes me sick. So it just, like, becomes, like, it feels like such an involved food to eat that Mm. I'm just, like, ugh, pizza. All right. Well, add that to the list of things we don't have in common. (laughs) Harry Potter and pizza. (laughs) Yep. Two very popular things. (laughs) Anyway, 
So then we cut to Luke and Jess, right? This is when Jess comes home and he like, I just love the idea that Jess is getting home late and he like has to rush to get ready because he wants to freshen up before his date with Rory. I was uh, like, oh, what a this cutie. Was, like, as, as much as this was like a Jess is letting us down episode, For it was sure. also like, oh, Jess is just a little cutie. He is. He's he's balancing it very well. But yeah. what I love about this scene is that Luke always has Jess's best interest at heart. Like, before yeah. laying into him about the fact that he knows he's skipping school, he starts off by offering him a raise at the diner. He's like, yeah. look, I've been thinking a lot about your situation and like, I'm just, what if I give you a raise? Then you can quit he's your job He's trying to longer. trap him a little bit. He yeah. is, but I do think that he's trying to say, like he's trying to sort of give him an out. He's like, let's just make this easy on both of us. I'm not going to get pissed at you for skipping school if you just quit your job. And I'm going to make it easy for you. I also think he's trying to, like, in his Luke way, figure out the reason why this is happening. Of, like, if if it's money, he's like, it's almost like he's like, okay, let's approach it from the fact Jess doesn't have enough money. And so I'll pay for his car insurance. I'll give him a raise at the diner. And then he can go back to going to school and just doing what he needs to do with Rory and making time for things like that. And like, it's in a very much like very Luke way of not just being like, is this a money issue? Like, are you skipping school because you need money? Yeah. Let me help you. It's just, it's, it's so Luke. For sure. And obviously, like you said, Jess goes on to kind of let us down and he's like, I'm going enough. It's fine. Everything's fine. And that's the kind of I the, go enough. That's kind of the start of like, that's the beginning of the end, which is hard because we those of us who know the show as well as we do, which is everybody who's listening to this podcast know that he goes on to like drop out of school because yeah. he missed too much school. And which it's so funny that his girlfriend is Rory Gilmore, who like loves school she like she loves going there and so to think that her boyfriend is someone who like goes to school enough and it's one of his reasons like it's public school the history teacher also coaches football so it's like he's aware of it in a sense but like it was the line that I literally just wrote it down I go enough like come on Jess you're smarter than that he is but that was sort of what we were talking about in last week's episode about Paris and Jess being a best friendship that never really happened and being on opposite ends of the spectrum she cares so much about her education and he is just kind of like I'm smart but I don't really care about school yeah and he could do so well if he would just apply himself well potential he turns out okay he does him in those arms Mm. (laughs) what i love about this is that luke's solution once because jess is so stubborn as is luke but jess jess is stubborn to a point where luke then sort of backs down a little bit right and what i love is that his solution is to steal jess's car (laughs) yeah he's like all right but we don't find out until you know at the end of this this next scene so nicole he's on he's on the phone with nicole right yeah, I, one of the reasons I don't like Nicole is she always seems to like trap you into something. When she asks him to come back for dinner again several months from now. Well, you know what? That was actually what I was going to ask about the conversation earlier when he was like, "Let's have the conversation." I didn't know if that yeah. was him being like, "Are we gonna? Are we about to like establish what this is?" Because in his conversation with Lorelai, it sounds like they still haven't necessarily laid out what they are. So that's. They haven't DTR'd. Kind of what it seems like the arc of that B storyline is, is that like she sits him down and says, my parents are in town. Do you want to come meet them? And he's like, yeah, Yeah. sure. And then says something to Lorelai, has the Jess breakdown in the couple scenes earlier, and then sort of comes back down to it and is like, yeah, make make the plans. And so it's like by the end of the episode, they've kind of established, okay, we're doing this. And it it maybe seems like, 
because part of it like I'm like I don't really like Nicole because all the way that she approaches these conversations just feels like she's trying to like trap you into an answer what a lawyer yeah but we also have to remember who her boyfriend is which is Luke and that he will like never just give you like straightforward He's so answers and communicate so it's kind of is like okay I'm planning lunch for several months from now which means that you and I will have lunch several months from now meaning we'll still be together mm-hmm. so I just feel like it's like half of it's like that's how she has to talk to Luke but it's just so like it just makes me not like her sorry Nicole no I, I was never a fan of their relationship like I said before we'll run right past her <laughs> we're not even gonna wave as we jog by nope But what I love (laughs) is that I wrote this down. Luke is acting his face off in this scene. Like when I watched this scene for the first time, I remember being like, oh my God, someone stole Jess's car. Because Luke is like, oh, Nicole, I got to call you back. What are you talking about? Like, and then Jess is mad because the police department has an answering service. And then like, he's like, I don't know what to do. And then it's not until he's like, don't worry about it. You're, you're going to school, right? You're, you're going to school. Because wh- why would you yeah. need your car uh, if you're going to school? And I like remember when I watched that for the first time, it said, <laughs> and I was like, oh, you sneaky bitch. You took the car. 14-year-old you. <laughs> yeah, 14-year-old me said internally, you sneaky bitch. I love that that was his plan. He was like, fine. Yeah. You want to play hardball? I'm here to play hardball. I'm going to take your fucking car. You thought you were going to outsmart me. I just outsmarted you. This scene actually brought up a lot of high school anxiety for me. Do you ever have dreams that you are like on your way to class? And or I guess they're nightmares rather. You're on your way to class and you realize you haven't been to that class for like two months, but you have a test today. I have dreams all of the time that I haven't been to classes in months, like all semester. It's more college classes and yeah. that I have to eventually, I'm like, oh, God, I have to go to class. I have to like tell the teacher that I know I haven't been there in a couple months, but like I can catch up. But I up. have to do the work today. Yeah. yeah. Mine, mine's always in high school. And this oh this God. moment with Jess gave me that really deep anxiety because I was like, oh my God, Jess is going to go into school. He like probably hasn't been to his first class in a really long time. What if they have a test today? And I was suddenly like spiraling in this like high school anxiety. I can't believe like, you oh have God. dreams like that too. I do as well. Yeah. So I've, I've talked about this on my TikTok before, but I actually don't ever watch seasons one through three of Gilmore Girls because it gives me really bad high school anxiety flashbacks really? seeing all of these people go to high school. Yeah. Yeah. So like it makes me have like bad nightmare dreams and like this was one of those moments where I was like, oh, nightmare dream ins- inspiration here. So totally. I'm probably going to dream about high school tonight. All right. Well, <laughs> keep us posted. I will. <laughs> so this moves us into not the climax of the episode, but like this is the big scene in the in, in this entire episode. This is what sort of brings it home. I would say it is. I would say it's a big turning point, not for the episode necessarily, but for the story. I think it's the climax of the episode because I feel like this is like we get we get the Friday night dinner that was like set up. It was really great. Here we have in the beginning, we get the money from Richard and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Like he's being so kind and they have to go to Friday night dinner, which like they always go to big town events after Friday night dinner. So it makes me like wonder, like they have dinner at seven. Dinner has to at least last an hour and a half and they have to get back to Hartford. Like, so are they doing town events at like 930 and 10 on Friday nights? But anyways, it's for the plot. Time doesn't matter. (laughs) For sure. It's mostly because the climax usually doesn't come at the end of an episode. Like it's usually somewhere in the middle. But this sort of happens for us in the last like six or seven minutes of the episode. And it's a a big deal. And it, it changes the game for the rest of season three. It changes the trajectory of their relationship, the Gilmore's relationship with Lorelai, and subsequently prompts Rory to then go to her grandparents and ask them to pay for Yale yeah I didn't realize how important this episode was before I watched this it. moment is is huge so first of all when we start this scene this is they the have best. this giant birthday cake 
But they have two maids. Two Why are there maids. two? I wrote well, two fire maids. Maybe. That's the fire maid in case, you know. She That's the fire, fire safety maid. Yeah. <laughs> Do we think Teresa is the fire safety maid or is she the she's the one cutting the cake? Yeah. She so cuts she's the cake. she's the fight captain. She's got the knife. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. I'm glad we laid that out for ourselves. What's so funny about this is um Brian and Stacy, who do Buffy the Gilmore Slayer podcast, they make little videos based on like really odd moments in Gilmore Girls. And this is one of the ones of like Teresa's taking the cake to the kitchen to blow out Lorelai's birthday candles. And they have a little video about like all of the other things that Teresa took care of that like seemingly shouldn't. I'll post it to our stories because it's really funny. Oh, I can't wait to see it. They make the best videos. Oh, I love them. Yeah. But Teresa's taking the cake to blow out the candles? Oh, that's normal, though. When the maid takes the turkey into the kitchen to cut the turkey after Richard does, like, the ceremonial carving. That one I can get behind. Because, like, you know, it, it takes a while to carve a turkey. Blow out your fucking candles, Lorelai. <laughs> I totally agree. But anyway, this takes us into the living room. Everything is so good. Everything started out really strong. They're so excited she's going to Yale. There's a lot of, like, the up and up. happy energy. We know something's about to happen. And then Lorelai pulls out an envelope and if you watch Rory's face you can tell she's like oh shit oh no 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 yeah. no no clearly they did not have a conversation about this because like I said they were having a conversation about like let's spend the money on this let's spend the money on that no more cutting coupons yeah and here she is pulling out this envelope and she gives it to Emily I I need your opinion on this because I feel pretty strongly about this yeah do you think it was fair, A, of Richard to assume that Lorelai would know not to tell her mom about the money based on the location of their meeting, and B, for Emily and Richard to assume that Lorelai wouldn't use that money to pay them back, or to pay them back at all, ever, at any point, with any kind of money? So what's really interesting about this fight to me is I think it is, like, some of the best Emily-Richard- Lorelai drama because I understand every single angle of this for sure while I was like watching this I was trying to figure out whose side of this I was on like of Lorelai she said she was going to pay them back she got the money to do it and to her it's like now she can like maybe go about building a relationship with her family that isn't based on this like favor that they're like exchanging in trade for her presence for money and so like maybe now they can have like, like a more beneficial relationship to the both of them that like they're not coming every week but they get to see them more often and from Emily's side of it it's like we're gonna lose her again absolutely yeah I understand all angles I'm the same as you where where did you land with that I'm on Lorelai's side I could totally see the two of them holding it against her if it ever came out if Richard was ever like well you had the money to pay us back and you chose not to And if Emily ever found out, she would have said the same thing. So the way I see it, the only thing I fault Lorelai for, two things. One, the way she did it and when she did it. Probably not appropriate to do it on her birthday, like when the energy is really vibing and everybody's really happy when things are at such a good point between all of them. Not the time or the place. But two, she should have consulted Rory about it. Technically, it's her business. It was Lorelai's agreement with her parents. However, Rory Rory was involved in that. Yeah. Lorelai essentially like scooped Rory up into this deal with Emily. It also doesn't make a ton of sense because like her parents have already paid for school. I know that she needs to pay them back, but like Rory's about to go to Yale. Did they never consider that she might need that money for Yale? She hasn't at any point yet decided that she's going to get money from her parents to send Rory to Yale. Ivy League's fucking expensive. Like it just feels like that same mindset that when Rory went to Chilton, 
that we were talking about on our Patreon on the pilot episode of like, I mean, where did Lorelai think the money was going to come from? For sure. I think that based on what happens in Those Are Strings Pinocchio, she really was banking on financially. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are when they are either single parent income homes or low income or just like moderate income, they expect to get financial aid in some capacity, especially from a school like Yale, which is so expensive. And I think she was just severely banking on that, which was probably a little naive. Yeah. But that's the only thing that I can kind of come up with. But from the standpoint of she said she was going to pay them back, like everything that she says to Rory outside on the street because apparently, once again, they don't talk in the car. Silent um, time. She finally addresses it when they're standing in the middle of the town square. And she's like, why did you do that? And it's like, I did it because I always said I was going to. And I follow through on my promises. If I say I'm going to pay someone back, I'm paying someone back. And I love that she looks at her and says, I'm not going to let them make me feel guilty for it. And I'm not going to let you make me feel guilty for it either. For following through on what I said I was going to do. Because I have to imagine that even the Lorelai in some ways can be reliable and can some ways be unreliable. She prides herself on being reliable when she is. So when she follows through on something, like that's a huge accomplishment for someone whose emotional maturity was kind of stunted at the age of 16. And she had to pull herself up from the bootstraps and like really, really make a reputation for herself. Her reputation hinges upon her paying back her debts and following through on what she says she's going to do. Like I I very much agree with that. But first of all, I think that like that conversation that she and Rory were having, she was totally in the right. I mean, I understand that Rory needed to like known beforehand, but there's just something that's so like to that effect of was it the right move to pay your parents back with money that your dad gave you? Like yeah. that whole idea that just feels it just felt like she should have known what this was going to mean to her mom because she knows that the reason that they're paying for school like what they get in exchange for this money is to see them and to have that constant contact and so she should have known that giving the money back to them as Richard says many times that he was legally obligated to give Lorelai because it was an investment because technically it's not from him it's from the investment the real estate investment that he put in her name when the day she was born which <laughs> that's one of like the lines that like I noted that like made me crack up like the show makes me laugh so hard even though I've seen it a million times when after she was born he wanted to celebrate so he invested in real estate she said you sure do know how to party or something like that (laughs) truly that's Richard Gilmore's idea of the time so like that's the other side of it I honestly think this is one of those situations of like Lorelai was totally right but like Emily was totally right to feel the way that she did too and 100% Richard was maybe the only person who like I was like you didn't tell Emily about like yeah. what's the big secret to have been kept there that like this investment was accumulating for Lorelai and that he gave her the money and like I think it's probably because that if Emily knew that he gave her $75,000 she absolutely knew the first thing that she was going to do with it was pay her back yeah and I think Richard thought he was kind of in the clear because she was talking about shoes mm-hmm. because Lorelai's always like you know surface level but there's always stuff brewing down deep inside mm-hmm. childhood childhood Beneath. trauma beneath the surface yeah Yeah. I I completely agree with you I see all angles like you said I just personally when it comes to who I support the most in this I support Lorelai but I I do agree that she could have gone about it differently and I but that would have been boring (laughs) but also when she's talking to Rory in the town square in that last exchange between the two of them before the episode ends 
one of my favorite lines that she says is, you only know the warm and fuzzy Richard and Emily, and I only want you to know the warm and fuzzy Richard and Emily, because that really comes back around in season six. absolutely. But wait, can we back up for just a second in the fight at the house when they're like going back and forth of this like volley i feel like it's like friday night it's all right for fighting junior when they have this like back and forth that kind of what that feel like and i love it so much and then emily and richard get up and leave arguably to like go argue upstairs and then the maid brings out cake and like that's (laughs) that's like the button on the end of that it's like here's your birthday cake and i just that was just like such a the whole entire like beginning it to end of like the blowing out the candles going and sitting in the sitting room getting the drinks finding out about this the like argument which was like so well done and then now we end with the cake <laughs> yeah i love it i do love that at the end of it all she like gets her party and it still ends on like a high note but yeah gotta have that gilmore girls conflict sprinkled in what is the show without it but then we see the the world's largest pizza. I've always wondered where they cooked that pizza. That's Ugh. giant. How did they do? I mean, it looks like a floaty. Like when it's being lowered into the ground, I'm like, that's that's a floaty. That's a plastic pizza. Yeah. Oh, that would be such a cool pool float. Like on the lake or something. Ooh, <gasps> that would yeah. be so cool. Oh, I'm sure they have one. We gotta Google that. But how do you how do you get a pizza like that though? I guess you just like cut small slices, but like the crust for that was giant. Huge. I feel like it's too thick. <laughs> I don't think I'd like to eat it. They had to because of Kirk. That's true. Yeah. But I just love that we end this like birthday episode. We don't actually see the birthday, but I like that we see the all of the conflict that's happening in her life more than I like that we see the party. And yeah. then it leads us out with the with the la la la's. I, I just love this episode more than I remember. Like it's not one of my go-to episodes for season three when I just want to feel warm and cozy, but it is a very pivotal episode in the in the actual storyline of this show. And I'm glad that we got a chance to sort of recap it today to celebrate all that is Lorelai Gilmore. You know, today, or I guess rather yesterday also was, it's um, the one year anniversary of my TikTok of Gilmore really? Girly Girl. <gasps> yeah. Happy birthday, Gilmore Girly Girl. I know. It's her first birthday. But I, when I started it, I didn't realize that it was Lorelai's birthday. I told, I texted you a couple weeks ago that I randomly woke up in the middle of the night and Googled when Lorelai's birthday was for some reason because I thought it was that day. And it was April 25th. And that was the day that I posted my first TikTok to Gilmore Girly Girl. Which Wow. Just, that's so special. It just felt like a moment, which is just yeah. fun. Because posting that first video one year ago is why I'm here talking to you and why we're friends now. So it just means a lot to me. It's a fun time. Yeah, it's a good time. Well, happy birthday, baby. Not me. For Gilmore Girly Girl. (laughs) Gilmore Girly Girl and Lorelai. And Lorelai. Perfect. Follow us on Instagram at Gilmore to say podcast and make sure you subscribe to us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on now, as we will have a new episode out every Tuesday because we always have more to say. And if you have more to say, find us on Patreon where you can support the pod, join our Gilmore Obsessed community and access bonus episodes every month.